My name is Jeff Hughes, and I'm excited to share this message with us in our unfinished series. Hope you've had a great Thanksgiving weekend and that you're able to stay awake during this. Feel free to nudge a neighbor if they doze off, if they've had too much turkey, uh, feel free to do that. This three-part series has been about us looking at the work that God is calling us to do and the part that we have to play right here in the world. I'm calling this message, We Have an Unfinished Mission. And our text today is from Romans chapter 10. So if you have a Bible or your mobile device where you read the Word of God, I invite you to make your way to Romans chapter 10 and stand for the reading of God's Word, if you will. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15. <clears throat> if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In verse 15, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now before you sit down, I want you to find three people nearby you and ask them, how are your feet looking? Then have a seat. I'll tell you, when I think about feet, the word beautiful is likely not even in the same sentence. It's definitely not a good descriptor of my own feet, for sure. Feet are functional. Beautiful? Uh, not so much. If you study feet, you'd be amazed to discover just how important they are to your very existence. Maybe you didn't know that your feet will actually carry you five times around the earth in an average lifespan. That's crazy. No wonder our feet are so sore all the time. Yet we barely pay attention to them. Did you know that if you were to lose uh, just one toe, just a little toe on one foot, you would have to learn to walk all over again. You can ask any doctor how important feet are, and they'll tell you that they are a mirror of your health. In fact, many times signs of diabetes, arthritis, circulatory, or neurological disease can first be traced back to problems with the foot. The foot contains 26 bones, and you tell me that that little toe is not important when you stub it on the dresser on the early mornings, right? Each of these bones are vital to balancing the body and giving us the ability to walk. But most feet are not beautiful. They are functional. But we see in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, when we understand our mission, our purpose, and when we move our feet to be engaged in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, our feet are made beautiful. And a church who does not lose sight of their purpose is filled with people who have beautiful feet. Not primarily because of how they look, but because of where they can go. But how easy is it for us to become like the grocery store owner I read about in England who decided that he needed to ban customers completely from his store. 
Yep, you heard that right. Grocery store owner completely bans all customers from his store. He said he was forced to take this drastic measure because of people's bad manners. First, he banned smoking, then crude language, then it moved to baby strollers and quickly pets, and finally, people themselves banning all customers from the store. They had to spot items that they want from a little window in the store, ring a bell, be served through a small uh, little hatch in the door. The owner admitted, I've, de- I've definitely lost business, right? Can't say how much, but I am a man of my principles, and I stand by my decision. Now, how stupid is that? The storekeeper totally lost sight of his mission, totally lost the purpose of his existence. But let's not quickly dismiss this ridiculous story as being out of touch and think that it only applies to grocery store owners in England when it's actually happening in churches all over America right here this morning. We have an unfinished mission, and it is critical. And what we see in Romans chapter 10, 9 through 15, is really clear about that mission for us. I want to invite you to open up your bulletin. There are some sermon notes inside there with some fill-in-the-blanks. So find that if you will. also want to make just a quick plug for the Union Chapel app. This is a, a great free resource where you can click on the sermon tab and you can actually fill in the blanks or write other notes to yourself and then email it to you uh, or someone who needs to see it at the end of that message. Here's thought number one for this message this morning. We have an unfinished mission to proclaim the gospel with clarity. The gospel with clarity. The gospel is good news. It's the good news about God sending his son Jesus who came to triumph in and over this life. He came to live a sinless life among sinful people. A perfect life. A selfless life that he would even give his life on the cross for you and me. But you see, he didn't just die. He didn't just go to the cross and give his life and that was the end. Oh no. He rose again on the third day, and that is what makes this news great. It is the resurrection of Jesus that transforms the poor to the rich, the hopeless to the hopeful, the lost to the found. And there are people all around us who are desperate to hear the good news, to know the saving grace that is only found in a relationship with Jesus. We read earlier these words from Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? These are powerful words and they clearly point to the need for us to proclaim the gospel with clarity. You and I hold in our hearts the best news ever told yet hundreds of people go through churches this church and many many others all over the world in a relationship with Jesus but live with dirty stinky feet because of their unwillingness and failure to take the good news of the gospel out and share it with others the hurting the abandoned the broken the needy Friends, we have an unfinished mission to proclaim the gospel with clarity because knowing Jesus matters. It matters. We should never forget that. 
I want to tell you about Doug Nichols. Doug was a missionary in India in 1967. He had tuberculosis, which forced him to be confined in a hospital there in India for a month or so. Can you imagine? He didn't speak the language, and he was a missionary, so he had Christian literature, little tracts that were in the, the foreign tongue there, the native language, that he would distribute to doctors and nurses and other patients around the ward where he was. However, every time Doug did this, people just politely refused, just kind of pushed him away, if you will. During his first nights, he was regularly awakened by his own coughing and frequently noticed an older man who was trying to get out of bed. But in his weakness, this elderly gentleman would just fall back in bed and start sobbing uncontrollably. Doug didn't know what the man was trying to do until the next morning. You see, the old man was trying to get up and go to the bathroom. And his lack of success meant that the ward where these patients were being kept altogether stunk and stunk badly. And other patients yelled at this old man. Angry nurses would come in and they would curse at him. The old man would just curl up in a ball in his bed and just sob, just weep. The next night, Doug noticed the old man again being unsuccessful at getting out of his bed. And Doug admitted that he did not want to get involved. He didn't want to intercede in this moment. But the Holy Spirit of God came over him and, and said, Doug, you've got to do something here. So he got up. He put his arm under the man's shoulders he picked him up out of his bed and he carried him to the bathroom this bathroom is not like what we would encounter here in America it was a filthy small room with a hole that was in the floor Doug stood behind this man holding up his frail body as the man relieved himself and after the man was finished Doug picked him up and carried him back to his bed as he laid the man down the old man kissed Doug right there on the cheek and he said something to him in a language that he did not understand. Doug went back to bed. And the next morning, another patient woke Doug up and handed him a fresh cup of tea. And along with the tea, this patient also brought his curiosity about Doug's story. He motioned that he then wanted to read the Christian literature that Doug had provided before but been declined. That same day, other patients came over to Doug and said that they too wanted to read the material that Doug had once tried to deliver. Even the nurses and the doctors were asking to read this material. They wanted to know more about this man who would so selflessly help this elderly gentleman. Weeks later, a Christian evangelist made his way into that hospital and he happened to speak the language and he talked with Doug and told Doug that day that several people in the hospital had placed their faith in Jesus Christ and come to know him personally as their Savior. What did it take to reach these people with the gospel? It didn't take Doug, the Christian missionary, standing up, preaching this famous, fabulous sermon. Oh no, what did it take to proclaim the gospel with clarity? It took a trip to the bathroom. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There are people that you know who need what you have. Will you, in their moment of need, proclaim the gospel with clarity, or will you withhold what has been freely given to you? That's a question that all of us must ask. Here's point number two of this message. We have an unfinished mission to produce Christ-like disciples. The word you're looking for is disciples. Matthew 28, 18-20 says this, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and what? 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's my favorite part. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You see, the Great Commission task is not just to make converts, not just to make believers, but to make disciples, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. Now, church, I have a confession for you this morning, if I can. I tie my shoes and my neckties when I wear them with my left hand. I, I know, I know, shocking, maybe not what you were expecting, but I tie my shoes and my neckties with my left hand, and I am not left-handed. I'm a righty. My dad was not even a left-hander. He was a righty. But you see, my dad's dad, Harold Hughes, he was a lefty. He taught my dad how to tie his ties and shoes. He taught me how to do the same. And I couldn't tie a shoe or tie with my right hand to save my life. There is a difference, and I couldn't do it. Now think about your life as you hear this next statement. You are who you are, and you do what you do. As a result, because of the people who have influenced you. Now let me say it again. You are who you are and you do what you do because of the people who've influenced you. So who are you influencing and what are you producing? My hope is that we are producing Christ-like disciples. You are who you are and you do what you do because of the people who influenced you. What does it even mean to produce disciples? And for that matter, what does it even mean to be a disciple? When can you say, I'm now a disciple? Well, I love many, many things about what Jesus has done for us. But one of the things in particular that I love is there were 613 commandments of the law, right? A big, long list of things. And Jesus took those and he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to boil that down to two. Love God and love others. And we see that in Matthew 22 where it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So Jesus takes all these commands and he says, You want to be a disciple? Great. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. Others. You know, my dad and my grandpa passed along something much, much greater than which hand they tie their ties with. They passed along the idea of knowing Jesus, of loving God and loving other people and how that will transform our relationships with people and ultimately the whole world. They had a passion within them to produce Christ-like disciples. Guys, the Great Commission mandate that we see in Matthew 28 is a mandate of multiplication to be a disciple, and to produce disciples. And if we miss this, we have missed everything. Jesus summed up his own mission in Luke 19, verse 10, when he said this, I have come, the Son of Man, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. If we want to be like Jesus, we must place an emphasis on caring about people who are far from God. And if we aren't making disciples who will make disciples, we are only talking to ourselves. We'd be like a doctor who only sees patients who are well. doesn't make any sense. When Jesus came to call sinners to repentance 
in Luke 5.32. And the amazing thing happens next. Those sinners who were called to repentance after an encounter with Jesus, they, they encountered Jesus, they got right through repentance, and then they went and found other people who needed to know this amazing God. It's a process of multiplication where disciples make disciples who make disciples. And every one of us is a product of that process. And when we come to faith and when we put our trust in Jesus Christ but feel exempt from the process of making other disciples, we have short-circuited the process and missed a critical part of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. We can miss the goal. So who are you influencing? Who is following you as you follow Jesus? Who is closer to him because of your interactions? Years ago, a man was searching for his family roots, and he visited several cemeteries and read many inscriptions on the tombstones. There was one that read this. Pause now, stranger, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so soon you will be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Okay, great. Well, next to the tombstone, someone had, had placed a piece of wood engraved with this inscription. To follow you, I am not content until I know the way you went. <laughs> So who is following you as you follow Jesus? And are you leading them in a way to become a fully devoted disciple? Here's point number three. We have an unfinished mission to participate fully in planting new churches. Planting new churches. You may have noticed that Union Chapel is actively in the process of planting churches Cape Coral, Florida, Marietta, Ohio, Anderson, Indiana, all, all over the country there are these churches springing up that, that Union Chapel has trained leaders, sent them out, equipped them, and, and paid to get them started uh, to plant these churches. The famous missiologist C. Peter Wagner said, planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. And Union Chapel is actively engaged in this powerful work because we believe that Romans chapter 10 is a direction for us to do so. Let's look at it again in verses 14 and 15. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? You see, we believe that our, our seeding power is great, but our sending power is even greater. Our seating capacity is one thing. We believe God's going to look and see how many people were sent out of Union Chapel to go plant and start new churches in places where the gospel is not being heard in an effective way. Listen to these stats that further direct us in our church planting initiatives. There are 65% of the population in the U.S. has no real church connection. Studies show that in the last decade, church attendance has declined 20 in the last decade alone, most people are unaware that there are 156 million, million unchurched people in the United States. Just the U.S. Here's another way of looking at that. If America's churchless were to form a nation, 
they would be the eighth most populous country in the world. These are people who are unchurched, who are our very neighbors right here in the States. In fact, doubling the number of existing churches in the U.S. would still not be enough to get the job done or even barely make a dent. America would need 150,000. You heard that right. 150,000 new churches of 1,000 people each to fulfill the current need of people who are unchurched. There is a crying need for more healthy, spirit-filled churches in communities all across the world. And we believe that God has positioned and called Union Chapel to step into this darkness, to make a difference, to provide both the leadership and the financial resources for churches to be planted in areas that need to know Jesus. What an amazing opportunity for us. What an awesome call of God that we can not just have church right here, but other people on the weekends will have church all over the country because of what we do. We have an unfinished mission to participate fully in planting new churches. And let me ask you this. If not us, who? If not right now, when? A year from now, five years, ten years? We're not okay with the destiny, the future of these people who haven't had an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus proclaimed in an effective way. A year is too long. Five is too long. Ten is too long. God is calling us to do this right now. And that's why you're seeing churches that are connected to Union Chapel's church planting initiatives spring up all over the country. And that's why I believe that you'll see them even more so in the coming months and years. And you can be involved in taking the gospel to other people through church planting. By giving, by going if you're called, and being active to help us change those statistics. You may have heard this story, but it's worth being reminded of on an occasion. Once upon a time, there was an old man who would go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. And early one morning... He was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed. He found that the vast beach was littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed that there was a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he would pause every so often. He would bend down, pick something up, and throw it into the ocean. As the boy came closer to the man, the old man said, Good morning, son. May I ask, what are you doing? The young boy paused. He looked up. He said, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them up to the beach, and they can't return by themselves. And when the sun gets high, they're going to die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man looked at this boy, and he replied, There must be tens of thousands of starfish along this beach. I'm afraid you won't really be able to make any difference at all. Well, the boy bent down. He picked up another starfish. He chucked it out into the ocean Looked the old man in the eye and he said, it made a difference to that one, didn't it? God is calling us to make a difference. One person at a time. One church at a time. 156 million unchurched people right here in the States. And that's not even counting those around the world. If not us, who? 
And if not right now, when? You may have missed it if you were out of town last week, but we collected our faith promise pledges for the year. And you may have noticed that our church planting goal is $200,000 for 2018. My wife and I have made a, a faith promise pledge, and we're excited about seeing how God provides. That's why this is called faith promise. It's not money that's sitting right there that you just give it. It's money that you're not sure where it's going to come from, but through the year as it comes in, through faith to God, you say, as it comes in, I'm going to give it. And we have made a faith promise, and I'm excited to see what God will do with that. Because as we step out in faith, no matter the amount, it's not about the amount. It's not about the money. But as we step out in faith, what God is going to do in our family's life, I believe, is going to be phenomenal. And as we have a part in planting these churches and going out into the world to see the gospel proclaimed, I believe God is going to do great things. It's going to be exciting to watch. Here's point number four of this message. And I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but these are in no particular order. And perhaps point number four may be the most significant because I believe many of these others hinge upon it. We have an unfinished mission to pray boldly. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I read an article this week that really rattled me to my core. It said this. It said revival and prayer always go together. They are inseparably linked. And it just made me think, wow, I don't think any of us would argue that we need revival in our church, in our, our city, in our world. We need revival, right? But it's linked to praying prayers that are bold. These, these mountain-moving prayers. We have at the top of our staff agenda that we look at on Tuesdays when we meet that says this. It says, a move of God is always prayed in before it is programmed in. You see, I believe that's the truth. I believe a move of God is prayed in. It's not manufactured by what we do. It's not programmed in by what we do. It comes from the people of God saying, Lord, we want you to move. We want more of your power, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your presence. Will you pray those prayers? Will you be bold enough to pray those for your family, for yourself, for your coworkers, for our church? Will you pray bold prayers? It's one of the best things you could ever do is pray a bold prayer for your family, your friends, your coworkers, your church, and just see what God will do. Just see what God will do. How are your prayers? What if we rediscovered, or for many of us, discovered for the first time what it meant to pray boldly, to ask God to move the mountains, to ask him to do more than we could ever dream or imagine. To ask him to restore families, to heal the hurts, to bring the disenfranchised, the abandoned, the lost to Jesus on a regular basis and to use us to do it. What might it mean for our unfinished mission if we were to pray bold prayers? Just as if Jesus was standing right next to us saying, go ahead, ask, go ahead.
What might it mean for our unfinished mission if God's people would align our hearts around his purposes to boldly ask the God of the universe to one, be near to us and two, to use us. God, would you be near to us? Would you use us? I believe he would hear that prayer. The famous painter Leonardo da Vinci once worked on a great masterpiece for many, many months. A young apprentice was standing next to him, keenly watching this great masterpiece take shape and evolve right before his eyes. The student was in awe by the brushstrokes of da Vinci and he hoped to learn some of the master's techniques so he could put them into practice on his own works in a future date. Just before finishing the painting, Da Vinci turned to this student, this apprentice next to him. He looked at him, he handed him the paintbrush, and he said, now you, finish it. What? What? The student, the, the apprentice, dared not ever to touch the great work of art, the master's work. So he protested, to which Da Vinci astutely replied, will not what I have already done inspire you to bring your best? Huh. Will not what I have already done inspire you to do your best? Church, we have an unfinished mission to proclaim the gospel with clarity, to produce Christ-like disciples, to participate fully in planting churches, and to pray boldly and one with a voice that is much, much greater than da Vinci standing before his incomplete painting and handing the paintbrush to his student. One greater than da Vinci is standing before us, looking us in the eye, giving us all power and all authority and saying, finish the mission. Finish the mission. What I love is that we're not called to finish the mission on our own, but with the power that God gives us. And any power that can raise Jesus Christ from the dead is power enough to accomplish everything we have before us. Stand with me and let's pray together. Lord, we're standing here today with an unfinished mission that is great before us and in so many ways we are inadequate we are unable to accomplish this great work that is ahead proclaiming the gospel producing Christ-like disciples participating fully in planting churches and praying boldly God we can't do these things and we don't want to without your power forgive us when we've tried in any way to do these things without listening to you and following your lead and help every single one of us to trust that what we read in Matthew 28, 20, that you are with us. And Lord, where you lead, we will follow. And thank you that you are not finished with us, that the best days for Union Chapel are ahead of us. And so we look forward, God, with great anticipation to what you wanna do. And so help us to be faithful to your call and to be found with beautiful, beautiful feet that spread the good news in Jesus' name.